Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit TucsonBaptist.com. We pray that today's message is an encouragement to you. Thank you, Miss Pam. Let's jump right into the Word this morning, Ruth chapter number one. Ruth chapter number one. I'm preaching a five-message series out of the book of Ruth. We spent uh, many, many months, 21 messages out of 1 John. We're taking a a look at a short uh, book of the Bible now, the book of Ruth. We're in message number two, and uh, we often hear about this much-beloved book as a uh, idealized romantic love story between Ruth and Boaz, um, Ruth's commitment and faithfulness to Naomi, and, and, uh, and, and obviously Boaz's kindness and generosity. But are these the only themes in this book? Are these the, the only sermons that we might uh, teach or preach in a children's uh, Sunday school? The book of Ruth is so named because the main character is Ruth. Who is Ruth? She was a Moabite widow who married Boaz. Uh, he was a, a Boaz, he was a landowner in an area of Israel called Bethlehem. Who's the author of the book? No one knows. Did you know that? No one knows who definitively is the author. When was it written? Well, we know that it was written um, uh, sometime after King David because David is mentioned in Ruth chapter 4. But the date of the writing um, uh, is, uh, while it may be a little bit more certain, uh, the time period of when this happened took place during the judges before there was ever a king in Israel. What's the theme of the book? Why is this book recognized by the Jews as part of the canon of the Old Testament? And the answer is that this story displays something that, that I think is unique that we need to hear about, and that's the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God over people, over events. It also demonstrates His sovereignty toward His covenant love and kindness toward His own people, the Jewish people, even in difficult circumstances. But I think the most important feature of this little book of Ruth is that God exercises his sovereignty and covenant love to accomplish his ultimate purpose. Do you know that God has a purpose in your life? Still to this day, if you're one of the teenagers who are seated here or you're in your 80s, God has a purpose in your life. And that main purpose that comes out of the book of Ruth is this. His Son, Jesus Christ. God's purpose is so that everyone would hear about His Son, Jesus Christ, through that line of Boaz and King David. This book is rich in theological and ethical features that are often missed by perhaps many theologians. And so this morning, understanding what time it is, and we're going to jump right into this message. We continue our short study. It's not just a book about Ruth. But it's a book about Naomi and Boaz. But most importantly, this is a book, an introduction to someone named the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to see that in greater detail in the next couple of Sundays. Look with me in Ruth chapter 1. 
We're just going to look at four verses this morning, dropping down to verse number 19. So they too went until they came to Bethlehem, and it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Almighty hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? May I just tell you, if you mark in your Bibles or you're taking notes, you could write, this is the biggest pity party in all of the Bible. Understand what's happening here. It's a pity party. The Lord hath testified against me. The Almighty God in heaven hath afflicted me. So verse 22 says, Naomi returned. Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, which returned out of the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. That's significant. For we know that there was some ongoing struggles here with just food and famine in the land. This morning I have what I call three stop you dead in your track moments from the book of Ruth. And the first one I'd like to look at is the blind date. Ruth wows Boaz. We had a wedding on Friday of this week, and congratulations to Brandon and Sada. Uh, they are away on their honeymoon right now, but she wowed Brandon when she walked through the door. She was so beautiful. Here we have a blind date, and Ruth, the Moabitess, she wows Boaz. Allow me to quickly remind you the backdrop to this story. We introduced this a couple weeks ago. Uh, last week, Pastor Jonathan preached, wasn't that a great message about church unity? Boy, what God can do with a unified church. And I appreciate that message in his study. And uh, I had the privilege to be up in Casa Grande with New Life Baptist Church. And they were having uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the groundbreaking on their church property. They needed to raise, uh, over the month of March, $100,000 to be able to get this process started. And last Sunday, they raised $85,000 in one Sunday. For without a 250 people. God is good. He wants his, his church is going to live. And, uh, and I'm so thankful for that great uh, testimony of last weekend. And I'm thankful for the message that was preached here. But a couple weeks ago, I introduced to you a guy by the name of Elimelech and his wife, Naomi, and their two sons. And there was a great famine in the land and they left Bethlehem and they went to the enemy. They went to Moab. This time period is during the story of the judges. And we know that the days of the judges were characterized by Israel's cycle of rebellion against God and then returning and getting right and rebellion and all of the different judges that were a part of this story. In fact, the book of Judges says that during this time period when Elimelech, in error, against God's will, went to the country of Moab, the Bible says this, in those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. I think there could be a parallel to what's going on today in our world. 
Every man is doing what is right. And we as Christians, many times we've stood back and we've allowed it to happen. God, uh, forgive us. Israel needed a leader. Uh, Israel needed a king to ride a ship that was floundering in idolatry and immorality. And Elimelech takes his family to this pagan land of Moab because of that serious famine that was in the land of Judah. And at, at first, the Bible says that Elimelech only planned to sojourn. That means temporary. He was only going to be there for a short period of time. But then in Ruth, it says this, that he continued there. He started planting roots. And um, Elimelech died. Ten years later, uh, both of Naomi's two sons died. She She was having a hard time. Her husband and both of her sons died. Who's going to take care of Naomi now that she was left without her two sons and her husband? These two sons also married Moabite women. Who's going to take care of these women? We just being reminded, Naomi, uh, she had no recourse. She talked to both of her, 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 her two daughter-in-laws. She implored them to go back to their own father's family. She says, I have uh, no way to provide for you. I'm too old to get married and raise up another son for you to marry. In fact, in verse number 9, uh, it says, The Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Uh, go back to where you came from. But Ruth loved Naomi. It is wonderful when there's a great relationship between a mother and her daughter-in-law. And Ruth and Naomi had a wonderful relationship. And so they made a pact together. And, uh, and what happened is Ruth packed up. She left Moab and she traveled back to um, be uh, with Naomi's people. When they arrived, and we just read that, it was like, what happened? Naomi, her physical features have changed, and people recognize and said, Is this Naomi? She was harsh and bitter. And in verse 21, you can see that because she blames God. And so often we blame God when something goes, uh, goes awry in our own life. And, but anyway, the Bible goes on, jumping right into our story. It's the beginning of a barley harvest. So Ruth, uh, she knows that they, she's got to help provide some way for her and Naomi to live. And so she volunteers to go glean in the fields. And, and so it just so happens. Don't you love that? It just so happens that Naomi says, I want you to go in the field of Boaz. And this was a relative of her former husband, Elimelech. And so the Bible goes on. It's pretty cool in chapter 2. We see Ruth. She's out in the field in the heat of the day. And Boaz catches her eye and says in verse number 5, Whose damsel is this? Or who is that? Wow. Can I just put it today? She was smoking hot. That's for all the young people here. <laughs> there are still some people that did not even smile on that. <laughs> Elbow that person beside you. <laughs> See if they have a pulse. <laughs> anyway, Boaz says, who is that that's gathering the leftovers, gleaning in the harvest of my field? And, and um, it's interesting, uh, too, that that name stuck, Ruth the Moabite. And so everyone said, hey, that's Ruth the Moabite. And, and Boaz, she, he had obviously heard that Naomi had come back and, and she had brought some, uh, uh, some lady with her. But wow, he saw her. 
And so there in the, in the field, the two of them met. Notice with me, uh, Boaz's attention and kindness to Ruth was obvious there. Um, he asked her to only glean in his field. And he instructed the other young men, don't you bother her. She's mine. That doesn't say it in the Hebrew, but, but th- that you can read that. Um, he even said, which was a taboo, she can drink from the water that my men draw from the well. And then he, he even said, told his, some of his servants, leave behind some of the grain for her. Ruth was struck by the kindness of Boaz. And look with me in chapter 2 and verse number 10. Um, uh, she bowed down to him and she says, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? But Boaz, you can read it. He answers in admiration. And he says, It hath been fully... Uh, it, it, it hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband. And hast thou left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity and, and art come unto a people which thou knowest not heretofore. Boaz is struck by the fact that she would take care of her mother-in-law. Ruth then thanked Boaz humbly for his kindness. Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for thou hast comforted uh, me and, and, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaidens. I know I'm different. I'm not a Jewish girl. You have, you have no, absolutely no authority. You have no compulsion. You have no, there's no reason why you would be kind to me. I am a heathen. She acknowledges that. But Boaz's kindness to her was not even finished. In verses 14 through 16, after Ruth had been out gleaning in the fields under the hot sun, uh, he invites her to lunch with all of the men. And she ate, and the Bible says, until she was full, and there was enough for leftovers for her to take home to her mother-in-law. So this was the title of the first point here, the blind date, Ruth wows Boaz. It's as if Naomi had arranged this meeting between Ruth and Boaz. The fact that she just so happened to glean in Boaz's field, it's not by luck, it is not by chance. Listen to me, it's by God's sovereignty. Ultimately, it was the Lord who arranged this blind date for a much larger purpose. And it's hard not to notice that Boaz became interested in Ruth as soon as he saw her. Perhaps perhaps this was love at first sight, as the Lord would have it. I don't know. Uh, let's, Let's find out what happens next. This is probably not your typical Hollywood story where boy meets girl and they live happily ever after. But um, Ruth had to have been a beautiful young woman. Ruth, she was physically strong because she was able to gather wheat and in the middle of the sun and for the whole day. And she was able to, to gather an ephah of barley and it would weigh some 30 to 35 pounds that she would carry on her back, back to Naomi. But here's the thing that we don't really always call attention to. Boaz was a middle-aged man like me. who was unmarried, and there was this beautiful lady in his field. So it really wasn't going to be love at first sight, live happily ever after, because that takes us to the next part of the story, and that is the midnight proposal. Ruth 
did what? The midnight proposal. Ruth did what? So Ruth came home. She told Naomi everything that had happened from meeting Boaz to the lunch invitation to all of the, uh, uh, the showering of blessing and the extra grain and drinking from the cold water at the well. And she was so excited about what had happened. And um, Naomi found out that Ruth had found favor in Boaz's eyes. And so Naomi said, hey, let's give it a little bit of time for Boaz to move forward in his relationship. Um, but here's what happened. Boaz didn't make any moves. That's what the Bible says. He must have been hesitant to be more than just a kind friend to Ruth and Naomi. There was no whirlwind romance. What else could Naomi do? So in chapter number three, she affirms her commitment to Ruth to seek rest with her. She, is, she has to find a husband who could support Ruth and herself. So she instructs Ruth uh, to take the initiative in the relationship. Listen to what she says. Wash thyself, therefore, anoint thee, put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. Here's what it means in English. Take a nice bath, put on that best perfume, Hey, get out your best dress, go down to the threshing floor, and lie down at his feet while he is sleeping. I, I am certainly glad that's not how we date today. <laughs> but this is a different time, a different culture, and here's what happened. Is her plan too obvious? Yes, it is. So notice what happened. Ruth has no qualms about obeying her mother-in-law. And so she does exactly what Naomi says. And one of Naomi's instructions was this. Uncover his feet, lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. Be careful, if, guys, if she tells you to take off your socks and shoes, okay? I'm not sure what significance that has, but... In this culture, uncover his feet, lay down at his feet, and then he's going to wake up and he's going to tell you what to do. Remember, this is a different culture, different people. At midnight, the Bible says, Boaz awoke and he was startled that a woman was laying at his feet. And he goes, hey, who are you? And Ruth the Moabite, she's answered, said, I am Ruth, your servant. But then she added something that Naomi had not told her to say. In chapter 3, verse 9, she said this, Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. What in the world does that mean? Ruth proposed to Boaz at midnight. That's what that means. That was a proposal. You see, Boaz is a distant relative of Naomi, and his duty was to redeem the inheritance of Elimelech before Naomi sold it outside her family. And so in addition to this, the law required that the kingsman redeemer marry the widow that was left behind and to father a son to perpetuate the dead man's family. I'm thankful we don't live under these rules today. But that was the culture of this time period. But instead of rebuking Ruth for her unconventional pro proposal and her presumption, listen to what 
Boaz says, verse 10, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. She didn't go after the handsome men in the prime of their youth, but she went um, after him who was already past his prime. Then, just as Naomi had said, Boaz gave Ruth instructions on what to do next. He admitted, I am the kingsman uh, redeemer, but do you remember the story? There's a closer relative than me. And so here's what we're going to do. Boaz said, we're going to get together and we're going to have a meeting. And notice what happened. The blind date leads to this midnight proposal, which leads to this, the implausible wedding. The implausible wedding. The newlyweds waste no time. The Bible says that same day. Ladies, how would you like to get proposed to? And that same day, you go get married. Here's what happened. Boaz, he gathers together all the elders of Bethlehem to do according to what the law of Moses instructed. And he asked the other kingsman uh, redeemer to attend the meeting. And then he told everyone in the, in the meeting that Naomi is selling the property that was left to her by her deceased husband Elimelech. And Boaz, he asked this other relative if he was willing to buy or redeem, buy back Naomi's property. He agreed to do so. There was a dramatic pause. Boaz says, oh, but there's one other thing that you need to know. Is that in order to buy back the property, you must also marry the widow's daughter-in-law, Ruth the Moabite. Uh, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, as it says in chapter 4. So with this requirement, the other relative says, no way, I'm not interested. And now, guess what happens? Boaz was free to marry Ruth, and she was no longer called Ruth the Moabite after her marriage. The Bible says that immediately he blessed them and gave her conception, and she bare a son, and his name was Obed. Do you know the significance of that? Obed became the grandfather of King David, who became the ancestor of our Lord Jesus Christ. And just like Ruth, Mary, the mother of Jesus, found favor with God, and she bore a son whose name was Jesus, who became the redeemer of his people. And may I just tell you, he's been redeeming people ever since. All the way back to the story of Ruth. The story begins with the death of Naomi's husband and her two sons and concludes with the life birth of a son to Boaz and Ruth. The story began with Naomi's emptiness and ends with her fullness as a grandson was born to her. It began with Ruth working all day long in the field and ends with her finding rest in her husband and son. It began with bitterness in Naomi's life, and it ends with a pleasant surprise, her property redeemed and a son. All right, Pastor Armstrong, what can we get this morning out of this story? May I just say, we find rest in the story of Ruth and Boaz. It's not merely a love story with a happy uh, thereafter ending for you too. Like Naomi's husband and her two sons were dead in your sins. But I'm thankful this morning that Jesus Christ, Ruth's Bo- Ruth and Boaz descendant, he gives us life when he died at that moment on the cross of Calvary and he bore our sins. 
We were empty and we were hungry and we were thirsty and we were deprived. But may I just say, Jesus satisfies our thirst and our hunger. Not only with food, but with his ever-loving righteousness. We were laboring and doing good works to attain salvation to heaven. But Christ gave us rest from those spiritual labors because he did all the work that was required to get you into heaven. He is our refuge. He is our rock. He is our shelter. He is, um, gives us the ability to be under his wings. We find life and satisfaction and righteousness in him. I say praise the Lord this morning. He is awesome. It goes back to this story in Ruth. Our life's journey is often filled with sorrows and sufferings, afflictions. And behind the scenes of every one of our life stories, may I just tell you, God has been working all along. He, even through those bad things, even through those good things, be, behind all of the emptiness, He's working out fullness. And behind all the sin and death around you, He's working out our redemption. And behind all of our wearisome labors and we're tired and we're fatigued, may I just tell you that He's going to give us everlasting rest. You have no other kinsman redeemer but Jesus Christ. And as Ruth and Boaz were kind and faithful, so to Christ, our Redeemer, He is kind and He is faithful to you, not only in this age, but for the, in the years to come. And I just say there are some of us, we are struggling with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Struggle no more. Find rest in Him. Understand that through thousands of years, God's plan has been at work. And even though there's wickedness in our country, God's still at work. And even though there are people uh, that we call family members and friends and co-workers and neighbors who are lost, God is still at work. And we can never lose hope of that. God is still at work in our lives if we'll let him work. So let's close our Bibles, our notes. There's no more notes to take. There's no more screens to see. And that way you could give your undivided attention as I close. Everything's put up. We're ready to go. I ask you a question. Is Jesus Christ your kinsman redeemer? Do you know him as your personal Lord and Savior? Are you wallowing like Naomi? God hath afflicted me. God's brought all these things in my life. Woe is me. Life is terrible. It's horrible. I just want to quit and go eat worms and die. Or could you perhaps see that in the beautiful story of Ruth, God was at work all along. And his timing is often different than our timing. And our timing and demands of God are not acceptable when he is the one who has the big picture all in focus. God's sovereignty is real. Believe it. Accept it. And your life will change. Naomi went from empty, bitter, to rebuked, to full. I challenge you, church. Let's make sure that we have a right, correct relationship with Jesus Christ. 